1: Of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor Matt Perkins, and a Rodrigo Blankenship kickoff across the Harpeth River from me. It's our own offensive coordinator, of the coach Corey Burton.
2: What's up, man? I love the reference,
1: Rodrigo Blankenship kickoff. Um, he boots I'll, him, man. He he can he, he can that. boot him pretty far. Might go over your house from mine.
2: I know it'll probably go into the, the next neighborhood over. Um, I'll probably have to put on my uh, probably have to put on my PS flyers. And go catch it.
1: All right. All right. Um,
2: I'm ready for an action-packed show, Matt. Yeah,
1: man. We got, uh, we got a lot to get to, but we'd be remiss if we do not introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man who doesn't need to fight to prove he's right, nor does he need to be forgiven. It's our own intrepid blogger from Big Ten and County, Josh Cook. How's it going?
0: It's almost a three-day weekend for me. Do you, do you have a Columbus Day off,
2: Coach? Uh, no, we have uh, Friday off. Uh, as a okay. work day.
1: Yeah, you guys have, don't you guys have in-service coach on Friday?
2: Yeah, we're off from, from kids, but yeah, you're off. I <laughs> got a have- whole bunch of inventory, uh, and, uh, luckily we don't have a game. So once I'm done, I'm done.
1: Yeah. Cause a- you got a game on Thursday night this week and then you've got fall break next week. So, yeah.
2: So, and then we're not coming in. We're not bringing the kids in until Wednesday. <clears throat>
1: All right. Well, that'll, that'll be nice. I know that uh, both you and your wife and my wife are all looking forward to uh, Metro Nashville Public Schools' week off here. Uh, could not come at a better time, uh, especially because we got another great slate of games this weekend. So uh, let's get right into it with some quick slants, Josh. Um, I know you're looking
0: at the Big Ten today. I am, yeah. I'm going to run through their slate for both my Big Ten quick slants. Uh, the first one I call the undercard matchups. Starts with uh, Illinois traveling to Iowa City. Illinois just looks dreadful on both sides of the ball. Jeff George, the new starting quarterback. I don't see that being enough. Iowa, this is a good team to get your offense back in gear against. You know, we talk about if you have an offense struggle, you want to play a team like Illinois. They should be able to write the ship, figure some things out, and see if that helps them uh, maybe somehow climb back into the Big Ten title race, but being at 0-2 in the West with Wisconsin just seems like a recipe for disaster. Uh, Minnesota a disappointing loss against Maryland last week. They head to Purdue, who is off. Purdue looked pretty good right up until that Michigan game. It's so a little bit of an unknown entity what we get from the train. Indiana has a uh, makeup game for an earlier game being canceled due to the weather. So they have a random date with Charleston Southern. This is a team that's been little frisky in the SEC at times. I will see if, uh, if the Hoosiers can handle the whatever Charleston Southern is. And last but not least, Maryland travels to the shoe. They won at Minnesota somehow with their third-string quarterback. They did it with no turnovers, good day running the ball, but... Your second career start being in Columbus sounds like a pretty tall order, and those are the Big Ten undercards.
1: Uh, Josh, just FYI, Charleston Southern is the Buccaneers.
0: Good to know they have swords in their logo. So I was hoping it was uh, like the Musketeers or something.
1: Yeah, Buccaneers, Buccaneers. Yeah. Uh, Coach, you got a couple uh, SEC games for us, I think.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the verbiage that our uh, history teacher, our resident history teacher, went with. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk about the undercards in the SEC. I uh, got a couple big matchups uh, that we'll talk about later. Um, notably, probably LSU Florida um, is probably the most uh, even matchup in this in the conference this week. But uh, a couple undercards here. Um, another one we'll get to in our uh, spread formation, so I won't spend too much time on that. But Alabama's traveling to Texas A and M. More on that later. Uh, I was surprised to see that Kentucky was a ten point favorite in a conference game. I don't think that's ever happened. I'm sure it probably has, but not in my recent memory. I um, don't think they've ever been double-digit favorites in any game that they've ever played in in the sport of football. In basketball, they've probably been triple-digit favorites, but um, <laughs> yeah. not in football. But They, they, they take were 10-pound on
0: favorites one time with Jared Lorenzo. Oh.
2: I think I think he's pushing, uh, pushing half a K. <laughs> I mean –
1: he, Jared Lorenzen still has the best nicknames of any quarterback who's ever played in the FCC. The
2: hefty lefty, j the, Pil-
1: the Pillsbury throw boy.
2: Yeah. He's and he's, he's still, the greatest quarterback the Giants ever had. He's playing for uh, the River Monsters, whatever arena team that is.
1: I mean, is, is he playing quarterback or is he playing defensive tackle?
2: No, he's playing quarterback. I know. He, he, He's coming in at a hefty 522 pounds.
1: <laughs> oh my I wasn't
2: lying when I said he's half a thousand pounds. Um, so there's that matchup. Uh, Mighty Missouri comes into the Commonwealth of Kentucky and takes on the Wildcats. Uh, they're probably going to the Missouri fans are probably just going to come so they can bet on some horses. They're probably not expecting much um, in that game. Uh, Arkansas takes on South Carolina, and what's going to be a, what's likely going to be a track meet. Arkansas is favored by two points on the road. That ought to be an interesting contest. We'll see what kind of resolve South Carolina has, see if they can kind of dust their boots off and, and really just kind of next man up theory here. But I like Arkansas on that one. LSU Florida. We'll talk about later. Uh, poor Ole Miss rolls into Auburn 22 point underdogs. Um, that's pretty sad considering that they were, uh, they were outside dark horse contenders for the sec West a year ago. Um, uh about a half a dozen scandals later, uh there here's where they're sitting. Shea Patterson um put up some good stats, but he is struggling. Uh the story here is Kerryon Johnson kind of taking over the running back position uh here of late. He's kind of showing Gus Malzon that hey, um I'm better than Cameron Petway. Get out of my way. Uh Professor you and I are gonna be attending this one. Um I'm committing to the G. But uh, it's right down the road here at Vanderbilt Stadium um, in Nashville. The Dogs are 17-and-a-half-point road favorites at Vandy. So uh, things don't get any easier for the Commodores. Kyle Shermer comes in looking to kind of uh, get back on track. Nick Chubb is looking to have another big game. And uh, Vanderbilt's going to have to find an answer for for Georgia's defense. They're going to have to find a way to block uh, Roquan Smith. They're going to have to find a way to protect against – uh, Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy. So that offense has every bit um, they can handle on that Wait, one. Ludwig, coach,
1: Coach, Roquan oil. Smith just uh, tackled John Kelly in the backfield again.
2: Oh, okay. And uh, Malcolm Parris just stripped him on the long run too. <laughs> Weird. Um, Andy Ludwig has his hands full there with those three. Not to mention Tyreek McGee starting to become a playmaker in the defensive backfield. Uh, J.R. Reed starting to look kind of like Ed Reed. Um he wears number 20, so I kind of thought he was the reincarnation of Ed Reed, the way he played uh, this this first half of the season. So, uh, big game out of Georgia. Georgia's ranked number five in the country, so that'll be a fun matchup there. So, that's, that's kind of a look around the SEC. Not many – in years past, a lot of these would have been great matchups, but there's so many teams that are just extremely down that some of these games could get ugly and some of them could be just – Downright boring. So, uh, that's a look. That, I all propose a suggestion. What's
0: that? I propose a suggestion for Vanderbilt. Uh huh. Vanderbilt Stadium is really boring name, and the SEC has the Swamp between the hedges, Death Valley. Well, there's two Death Valleys with Clemson, but that's in the ACC. They did a nickname for their stadium. To keep with the nautical theme: the Dry Docks. The Dry Docks. Yeah. What Welcome about, to the dry dock in downtown Nashville, or wherever <laughs> it is.
1: No, it, it is in fact in downtown Nashville, right off Broadway.
2: It's the oh. shipyard. They should call it. The shipyard. Ooh, I like the shipyard. It also works. I, it, I like they it just the shipyard. Need Auburn planes, by the way.
1: What's that? What's that about
2: Auburn, Coach? They are the. They they're on the plains.
1: On the it. plains in Auburn, exactly. No.
2: On the plains in Auburn, Death Valley, the swamp, Stark Vegas. Kyle Field, home of the 12th man. Uh,
0: Prostitute Heaven.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Prostitute Heaven. Old Edelmas. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Bob Hemingway, you mean? (laughs) Oh, good grief.
0: There's the the buffet of (laughs) Fantville.
2: Then you have the giant Kroger bag.
0: Yeah. And the House of Sadness in Missouri. (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh. How, oh. how? Oh, goodness. Well,
1: um, for my first line today, I'm looking at two under-the-radar conference matchups that might not be getting some of the same national hype as some of the bigger games this weekend, but are definitely intriguing to me nonetheless. We're going to start in the American West, where 4-1 SMU heads about three and a half hours south on Interstate 45 to take on the 3-1 Cougars in Houston. Uh, Both of these teams have only lost one game each, and uh, both of those losses were on the road to Big 12 foes within the state of texas smu losing uh, at crosstown rival tcu and houston losing at texas tech uh mustang quarterback ben hicks has acquitted himself quite well in his second season under center already throwing for 1275 yards and 14 scores in the season uh to only three picks And so Chad Morris has got to be happy with the production he's getting from him so far. On the flip side, Kyle Allen has not been putting up the same eye-popping stats that Greg Ward did over the past couple of seasons. Major Applewhite squad has definitely ramped it up on defense. But uh, they've got to be careful this weekend because they might be down their best player. Ed Oliver left last week's game against Temple with an MCL injury, did not return. Um... He got an MRI earlier this week that showed no structural damage, which is good news. But he's questionable to play this weekend. If he's yeah. out, I would expect to see a lot of Xavier Jones, Kimon Freeman, and Braden West, who are the ponies' three-headed monster at running back. All three of those guys can break a big one if uh, you don't uh, get them down early. Uh, even though Houston is a six-point favorite in this one, I'm actually I'm leaning towards SMU here, guys. Uh, so I'm going to take SMU to get the upset on the road, uh, 34 to 20. Um, over you think
0: the Craig heat, James likes that.
1: Yeah, well, um, you know he he likes that definitely more than he likes the pirate. <laughs> But uh, over in the ACC Coastal, we've got two upstart teams going at it in Charlottesville when the Dukies uh, are going to look to rebound after being drubbed by Miami last week. It's a good thing they're on the road, so they won't be wearing those hideous gray duds that they rocked uh, last Thursday night. UVA has been one of the biggest pleasant surprises of the season after starting three and one, uh, including a huge win at Boise State two weeks ago. They're coming off of a bye and Bronco Mendenhall has the Who's playing their best ball in years. Uh, senior signal caller Kurt Benkert is having a very good season so far, completing 66% of his throws for 10 scores and only one pick. He's spreading the ball around very well, uh, especially to Andre Lavron, who is an absolute burner on the outsides. He's averaging 27 yards a catch. That's a big number. Um, the Blue Devils defense, though, has been very stout this season, giving up only 291 yards per game on average, and that's after. Uh, and that includes a Miami team that shredded them pretty good last week. So uh, this is going to be nip and tuck all the way, probably a low-scoring affair. I'm going to take the Blue Devils to bounce back on the road, 17-14 to in a game that comes down to the wire.
0: Ooh. Yeah,
1: so I've got, I've got the road team winning both of these, but I think these are going to be some really, really uh, – I think these are going to be really great games. If Ed Oliver can't play for Houston, obviously that is a huge blow to that defense. Uh, he's not only their, their team's best defensive player, he's probably the best defensive player in that conference. So um, that is obviously uh, going to be one to watch to see if he is going to be able to suit up on Saturday. So, Josh, uh, give, us, give us the headliners for the Big Ten uh, this weekend.
0: Exactly. Yeah, the headliners. Penn State travels to Northwestern. Wildcats were pretty frisky up at Camp Randall. They had an opportunistic defense that forced three turnovers. The problem for Northwestern was they were way too one-dimensional. Their star running back, Justin Jackson, got nothing against the Badger defense. Northwestern hopes to pull the upset. They need to find a way to get him going. And State, of course, looked great last week, but in their previous road game, they didn't look so hot against Iowa. So that one's at least a curious game. And then Wisconsin travels to Nebraska. This is their first road trip against a Power 5 school. We'll see how it goes. They looked a little shaky against Northwestern, who was their first Power 5 opponent last week. They need to batten down the hatches. They they just have some sloppy play on offense. The defense continues to bail them out, but to look like a top-10 team, that offense has got to get into gear. Nebraska's had their defensive issues, but, you know, they got the best medicine. They got to play Illinois last week and had by far their best defensive performance of the season, so maybe they feel good about themselves finally on that side of the ball. And then last but not least, my spotlight game for the conference, the rivalry renewed. Michigan hosts Michigan State. Wolverines had a bye week. Michigan State had an incredible defensive effort last week against Iowa, winning 17-10. to Spartan offense, though, 14 points in the first quarter, three the rest of the way, and shut out in the second half. That's not going to cut it against the Wolverine defense. They, too, are looking for some improvement on offense. It's hard to get it in the big house, but rivalry games, especially this one, has had some fluky finishes recently. I expect that to be another tight game.
2: All right.
1: All right, Josh. Um, You you know, I'm a little bit scared as a Badger fan about this game. It it feels trappy to me in in Lincoln for some reason. I know that Tanner Lee's probably going to throw at least three pick sixes, <laughs> but the Badger defense in the fourth quarter uh, really left something to be desired. This is not a vintage Badger offensive line. Again, they are struggling with some injuries. Uh, starting guard John Dietzen has been, uh, you know, having ankle issues off and on. He is he's probably the most powerful run blocker. So th- they've had Micah Kapoy in there who's been doing okay, but he is – uh, he moves about as well, uh, as, oh God, uh, as wet cement. So, you know. Where
2: did you buy those clothes at the toilet store?
1: <laughs> I have no idea what that's in reference to.
2: I don't either. It's from anchorman though. Oh. <laughs> so the reference is anchorman,
1: um, Anyhow, um, so yeah, I, I'm a little, I'm a little bit worried about that one, just as a, as a Badger fan. But you know, we'll we'll see. Um, it's not like Lincoln has been exactly a house of horrors for us in the past, but um, you know, since uh, Mike Riley came over, both games between the Badgers and the uh, and the Cornhuskers have been you know pretty close affairs. Uh, last year went to overtime. The year before that was a three point game. So. Never, never easy sledding out there. Uh, so, coach, uh, what what have you got for us on your second slant?
2: Well, uh, I'm going to take a look at a at a team that seemed to be headed downhill uh, after Georgia rolled into town and 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 kind of upset them at home. Uh, that's the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They they have improved their record to four and one. Their one blemish being a home loss to Georgia, and uh, they've actually played really well. They've they've blown out the last. Last three opponents, they or last two opponents they faced since losing, and uh, you know they played really well. Brandon Wimbush has really turned it turned it around, and uh, he's really played extremely well. But uh, this weekend against North Carolina, North, a North Carolina team that's struggling, and I say struggling with a capital struggling, uh, they got they got it put on the chin last week against Georgia Tech on the road. I think it was like thirty-five to seven, if I remember correctly. Um, they uh, they're they're kind of looking to bounce back in what's a sort of conference matchup between Notre Dame and North Carolina, because um, North uh, Notre Dame is kind of halfway into the ACC. Um, but Notre Dame has got some issues at quarterback this week with Brandon Wimbish. He is uh, he's turning up with an injured right foot, so uh, he is questionable. So they he's probably going to uh, he'll probably go. Uh, but he's going to be kind of—he's listed as day to day right now. But he'll be—he'll uh, he, be—he's he's in a walking boot. He's kind of limited in practice, but he should be ready for the game. And he'll probably be limited mobility-wise, but he'll still probably be able to make most of his throws. It's—it's um, uh, it's a road contest. Um, but Notre Dame—if—if uh, if their quarterback's banged up, they're really going to have to lean on Josh Adams. He ranks fourth nationally with uh, 658 rushing yards so far. Um, he has more than 2,400 in his career. Um, he's rushed for 100 yards in a game uh, 11 times, most recent being against Miami of Ohio. Um, they've scored 70, 70 points off of 11 turnovers too, so that defense for the Irish has been, has been very disruptive and very, uh, very uh, I guess you could say, turnover happy or winning in the turnover margin, and they're taking advantage of it. It's uh, a defense that I was, that was pretty impressed with, that front seven. Uh, really good against the run. Uh, they get after you. They have a good pass rush. They kind of help their secondary a little bit. Um, so they they've done a tremendous job uh, with that, and they kind of held that Georgia offense in check. Which over the last couple of weeks has proven that uh, they've been they can they can score. Um, so Chaz Surratt uh, of North Carolina is going to have uh, he'll make his fifth career start. He's going to have his work cut out for him, but. Um, you know, for North Carolina, they can't they can't get to their bye week quick enough. They've had a ton of injuries. Uh, they've lost Austin Prohl, uh lost him for the season actually uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Thomas Jackson, Rontavious Groves, and tight end Carl Tucker have also been lost for the season as well. Uh, they are licking their wounds figuratively and literally, um, especially at the offensive skill position. So, uh, North Carolina going to have to hold on for dear life. Hope hope they get a Few lucky bounces in this one. Otherwise, I think it's going to be another ugly game for the Tar Heels. But I just want to kind of give you guys an update on Notre Dame uh, since the uh, since the whole Georgia thing went down.
1: All right. Well, um, for my uh, for my second slant, I'm taking a look at two attractive matchups down at the FCS level, and we're going to start in the Missouri Valley, where our old friend Pol- Bo Colini and his Penguins. Currently ranked number three in the country, are headed to Vermillion to take on the number six Coyotes of South Dakota. Youngstown State's rushing attack is going full throttle again the tune of 288 yards a game and still uh, yet again you know it's Polini, so you know they're going to play defense their top 5 until they defense again in the country coming off of a really good home win uh, over the other team from the Mount Rushmore State last week when they beat the Jackrabbits 19-7 to on the flip side South Dakota comes in undefeated after a big upset win at Western Illinois last week um, and they featured the number 2 scoring offense in FCS they're averaging nearly 49 points a game junior quarterback Chris Streveler has been unbelievably efficient this season with 10 touchdowns and zero picks. He's also the team's leading rusher 318 yards and 7 scores. Obviously, he's the key to this offense and the Penguins can slow him down I think that they're going to be able to get a big conference win on the road. Over in the Ivy League, Yale is headed up to my hometown to take on Dartmouth in a matchup of undefeated teams within the Ivy League. Both won their conference openers last week with Dartmouth getting a huge upset at Penn, which I recapped in our uh, pod from this Monday. And Yale beat Cornell two weeks ago and took care of business last week over Fordham 41 to 10. Yale has been riding a great rushing attack this year, led by freshman Zane Dudek. Great name uh, who's averaging over 120 yards per game. Even his backup, Deshaun Salter, has been averaging over 100 a game on the ground as well. Uh, The Bulldogs have a top 10 run game in the FCS, um, but Dartmouth's defense this year has been incredibly stabbed. Number four in the country in total yards per game and number 12 against the run. They're only giving up 84.7 yards per game. So they're going to need to keep this up against this Bulldog team that is in the top 10 in the country in total yards. Big Green are led on defense by junior linebacker Jack Trainer, the reigning Ivy League defensive player of the week. Um, and, but they've got a big test yet again. But you know what? I think they're going to be up to the task. They should be able to get just enough offense behind their uh, two-headed monster at quarterback Jack Hennigan and Jared Gerbino. I'm going to take Dartmouth to win a close one at home, 24 to 20, to start two 0 in the Ivy and be uh, at the head of the pack. Maybe I'm drinking that uh, that green Kool Aid a little bit too much, guys. But man, after the the heart I saw from that team last week, I got I got to ride the hot hand. So, um, well, Matt,
2: uh, I already feel smarter after that analysis. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, um, you know, I, I, you know those uh, those in the ivory towers, other Ivy League institutions, may think that they are better than us from our Big Ten and SEC schools, but um, you know, we can still beat them on the football field. Yep. So, um, well, uh, time for our pop quiz before we get to our deep roots. So our, our last couple of quizzes have been uh, kind of historically oriented. So I've decided to keep it a little bit modern, sticking with just this season, guys. Um, at, through this point in the season, there are 23 players who are averaging more than 280 yards through the air per game. Starting with you, Josh, name those 23 players. Chosen Rosen. You know it. He's number one. He's averaging 427 yards a game. <sighs> Coach. I, say it again. Uh, name the 23, now 22, plus Josh Rosen quarterbacks who are averaging more, more than 280 yards a game through the air this year.
2: Who? Uh, okay. Luke Falk.
1: Luke Falk is number six. He's got 343.6 yards per game. Josh.
2: Nice.
0: Iowa transfer, Shimanek, down there at Texas Tech. Nick Shimanek's
1: number
2: two, 394.5. I'm going to say Mason
1: Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is number three. Well done, 381.8.
0: Ooh, let's see. Mm, mm, mm. I know we went over 275 last week. They've played some cupcakes. I'm going to go with JT Barrett. Uh, JT Barrett, uh,
1: is not. Uh, he is down, oh. at, he's at only 250 a game. Mm. So, Josh, that, that, that is that is your one X, uh, coach.
2: Mm. For the win, I'm gonna say this is not for the win. We're we're, we're going double
1: <laughs> elimination on these at this point. So, uh, oh.
0: elimination, yeah, that's how bad we've
2: been, coach. What yeah. I I gotta you gotta
1: go double oh. elimination. So, coach, who you got? You already mentioned one of them earlier this pod.
2: I did?
1: Yeah. <laughs> In passing.
2: Oh, Kyle Schirmer.
1: Uh, <laughs> I wish. No. Oh. All right. You both have an X,
0: Josh. Uh, What was the yard mark again? 280. Oh. 280. Okay. We've done Rosen. We've done Falk. We've done. We've done Schman- Rosen, Falk, Schmanek, Schmanek and Rudolph. Basically Rudolph. Uh, Mayfield. Baker
1: Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, yes, that is correct. Baker Mayfield is number nine, averaging 332
2: a game. Oh, I was going to say.
1: Lamar Jackson. You know it. Number 11 at 327 a game.
0: Hmm. That was going to be my next one, coach. We keep stealing each other's answers. I know. Uh, Let's see. I I talked myself out of it. Food. Are injured players still allowed? Because I would like to go with Herbert if – or A-Bear up at Oregon if that's allowed. Oh, Herbert is allowed. Yes, he's played
1: enough games, but he does not quite make the cut. He's averaging 252.8 per game.
0: What? Sorry. What are you
2: doing, Willie Taggart? For the win. For the win, coach. For the win. I'm going to go with – Andrew Ford of UMass.
1: Uh what? Andrew Ford of UMass is
0: correct. What?
1: 287 a game. I don't know how you pulled that what? one out. Coach, the one you mentioned earlier was Shea Patterson. He's number four in the country. 361 a game. Oh, I, was
2: gonna, I was gonna say him. He was next on my list too. No, so Andrew Ford, I, I remember talking about the Tennessee UMass game and mentioning something about Andrew Ford throwing for a whole Crap ton of yards.
1: Yeah, Andrew Ford is uh, actually. I remember going,
2: well, "What the hell?"
1: Andrew Andrew Ford is third nationally in total yards. Is uh, uh, in total yards, uh, but down at number twenty in yards per game, he's played one more game than most of the other guys. Um,
2: deep, where's our boy Sam Darnold on that list? Uh,
1: Sammy Darnold did not make the cut. Um, he,
2: Will Greer is he on the list? Will
1: Greer is number seven. Um, other guys you missed, including New Mexico State's Tyler Rogers, uh, Logan Woodside of Toledo, Justice Hansen at Arkansas State, on TV right now, in fact, um, Nick Stevens uh, playing for the Fightin' Bobos, a guy I mentioned earlier, Kurt, Kurt Benkert at Virginia Hayton Bender uh, playing for Josh's BFF, uh, a baby at Kansas. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Park uh, at Iowa State. Brian Sheriffs at UConn. Manny Wilkins at uh, for the Fighting Bluetooth. Mason Fine at North Texas. Eric Dungy at Syracuse. Drew Brown at Hawaii. Thomas, not to be confused with Douglas Sirk at East Carolina. And finally, Ryan Finley of NC State.
2: I'm not surprised on Jacob Park. They, they, They're... They're freaking, damn! Washington State runs more than they do. (laughs) You you ever seen Mike Leach call plays? It's hilarious. He he has this little index card, and he just has stuff scribbled on it. It looks like gibberish. He just he just nonchalantly pulls out of his pocket, calls a play, and puts it back in. It's this little bitty index card, three by five index card. That's his play call sheet. He has like six plays that he runs over and over and over again.
1: Speaking of our our uh, speaking of the pirate, his Woodstock comment the other day after they upset USC was probably the best one liner of the year so I far. It. I love that, Josh. Did you hear that? No, what was it? Uh, they asked him, "Oh, what, what's the atmosphere like there, coach?" After they upset, you know, everyone's rushing the field. He's like, "Ah, oh, it's like Woodstock, except everyone's got their clothes on." <laughs> I missed that. How do I don't miss that? I don't know how you miss it. It was all over the place. It was a
0: great I, one. I, I traditionally I traditionally don't watch college game day after or uh game day final after Iowa loses. Oh but they that was this is Friday night, Josh. This
1: is uh they they were the Friday night game. I was past my bedtime when that thing ended. Um Josh, I lived with you for long enough to know that your bedtime is way after that.
2: I was gonna say way before. But he's a teacher now, and he's getting up at 5 in the morning, so his bedtime has probably shifted. Um, oh, well. uh, so, It's, it's that's significant. Well, apparently he said something about Austin being the only tough road environment in the Pac-12 or something like that. I haven't listened to it yet. But uh, my head coach sent it to me on, via Twitter.
1: Sounds about right. Well, two of these guys that we just mentioned, Lamar Jackson and Brian Finley, are going to be facing off against each other in our first Deep Root of the Week, uh, which is a Thursday night game. But it is uh it's gonna be a doozy Louisville headed down to Raleigh in Carter Finley Stadium. Lamar Jackson uh has to fend off uh that NC State defensive line, which Uh, led by Bradley Chubb, has been relentless all season. But, Josh, are they going to be able to contain the reigning Heisman winner?
0: Well, that's the the troubling thing for NC State. We know there's a lot of potential there, but they're actually 82nd in the nation right now in total yards allowed. They're they're giving up 370 yards a game, uh, giving up 285 passing yards per game. I know their run defense has been great, but that D-line is not getting much help by the people behind them, and that's cause for concern for me. Um, But I will say this. There's an interesting stat for Louisville. 0-6, all-time in ranked road matchups. It's a short week on the road. We talked about that for USC going up to the Palouse. There's a lot of favorable conditions for NC state. If they get any sort of past defense behind that line, they got a really good shot at pulling the upset
2: coach. Well, um, talk about bold to board material. NC state, uh, took a, took one on the, as I say, they took one on the chin last year. Uh, it was what, 50, 54 to 13 loss. Um, and, uh, I guarantee you, they remember that one. Uh, they, they've probably had that posted in the weight room all week long. It's been probably part of their workouts. they probably had something involving the 54 points that they gave up. Um, but yeah, Ryan Finley hasn't thrown an interception in 192 attempts this year. Um, I'm not going to have to knock. A, I'm not going to have to knock on wood. Hopefully, the reporter that provided these stats is knocking on wood. But I'll go ahead and do it anyway. Um, he has a 72% completion rate, ranked seventh nationally. I mean, if you got a quarterback that's that efficient, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, and he is, uh, you know, he has he become a great complement to what Josh talked about being a really great defense with Bradley Chubb and um, the, the rest of the guys they've got stopping, uh, you know, B.J. Hill, Bradley Chubb, that whole front seven that are that are tasked to contain... Lamar Jackson, if they can force a couple of turnovers, uh, flip the field, um, it's going to have to be kind of, kind of something where they slow the game down. They, they have to limit Lamar Jackson's possessions, play field position battles, and, and really just get him into uncomfortable spots, try to win. You know, they've got to win first down, you know, if, if NC state can win first down, if they can win in special teams, they have a really, really good shot, um, at winning this game and pulling the upset because Ryan Finley's the type of quarterback that can take advantage of those type of things. And it's very, very intriguing when you have a quarterback that's that efficient, that's that effective and, and a defense that's playing as well as NC States. So I, I like their chances in this one. I'm not going to go ahead and say upset just yet because Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson and he does his thing, but if they can win a special teams battle force Louisville to drive long fields, they have a that. That's probably their best shot.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, you know, obviously, it's so hard to bet against Lamar Jackson in a game like this in a in a, in a non Clemson game. You know, you you you'd be hard pressed to go against Lamar Jackson, but NC State NC State, I think, you know, I think at this point in the season. Uh, they've got to be a pretty confident bunch. They lost that opener into South Carolina, which was a really tight game. Uh, since then, though, uh, they've looked they've looked excellent. Um, obviously, they beat Florida State a couple weeks ago. Uh, beat Syracuse last week. Now, Syracuse is no great shakes, but uh, it's still a conference win. Yeah, but I, I, I still I'm still not hundred percent sold on this Wolfpack team. Now, if they come out. With those uh, with, with those helmets that they wore last week, Josh, um, that might put them over the edge for me. But <laughs> uh, I, I think I might have to take a Louisville in this one. They are Louisville is a three and a half point favorite, um, and I think that sounds just about right. Uh, should be a fun Thursday night. Uh, I won't be watching because I will be uh, at watching you coach on the sidelines, there, uh, buddy. But or
2: you'll be watching me coach in the press box. Actually, oh, well. Uh, uh, I'm in the press box. So. You're, you're you're in the box. Well, wow. um,
1: hopefully ho- hopefully rocking that 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 Bill Belichick cutoff hoodie.
2: If you bring it to me, I will rock it. I uh, Listen,
1: man, I'm I'm planning on going to Ross tomorrow. I'm picking up the cheapest one I can find. Had a boy. So, um, well, let's make it, uh, make it as
2: baggy as possible, too. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: If if they have it in like four X, that's what I'm going for. Oh
2: yes.
1: Yeah. So uh, you'll be swimming in that thing. Well, let's head down to uh, let's head down to Cowtown, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, College game day will be there for this one. We've got uh, West Virginia coming into town to take on TCU, uh, who have the last couple of years these teams have uh, contested for some truly outstanding, outstanding uh, offensive explosions. Uh, should be another one this weekend. Uh, we got Will Greer, at West Virginia, just throwing the ball all around. Justin Crawford, their tailback, has been excellent so far this year. Uh, They've got a couple receivers out there, but, man, TCU, top 10 team in the country, uh, last week uh, they were off after that big win over Oklahoma State two weeks ago. So,
0: Josh, uh, how do you see this one breaking down? Well, I know they've had some doozies, but I'm real, real, real concerned about the Mountaineers being able to hang in this game. First of all, you got all that excitement of college game day coming to Amon G. Carter Stadium. ECU is playing really, really well. But when you break down West Virginia's schedule so far, they lost to Virginia Tech, and they've obliterated a terrible ECU team, beat an FCS team and not even a very good FCS team in Delaware State, and they won at Kansas. So I was looking at their two games against Power 5 teams, and I see a thread, and that is not particularly good defense. Uh, against Virginia Tech, Josh Jackson – 235 yards passing he also ran for 111 for 101 uh, so single <laughs> single game quarterback his first game uh, he he torched them and then against Kansas I wanted to see if Kansas had a mobile quarterback because Kenny Hill isn't and I saw something disconcerting Kansas ran the ball extremely well with their running back, Uh, Khalil Herbert, 291 yards on 36 carries. So it's not a mobile quarterback fluke thing that tripped them up against Virginia Tech. It's that West Virginia's defense isn't all that good. And Kenny Hill, I think we'll be able to shred them. And then Darius Anderson, really, really good running back for TCU. I'm – I'm at a loss at how this Mountaineer defense keeps that minute. They're going to need to get an amazing day from Will Greer, and you would think that TCU would be worried, but hey, they had four ter- takeaways against Oklahoma State. They they have an MO on how to stop these high-powered offensive teams, and that's be ball hawking. They picked off Rudolph twice, got the third pick against uh, a wide receiver pass, but still opportunistic deep.
1: Yeah, coach, yeah, I mean, I mean you, you gotta expect Gary Patterson to come in here w- with with another solid game plan, don't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh with West you know, going back to West Virginia's defense for a second, um, you know, those defenses rely on uh you know their offense being able to stay on the field more than three plays. Uh the thing that, you know, these defenses and, and these fast paced offense teams get into is um they know that their best defense is their offense, um, and then they just get in shootouts with these teams, and and that's how they that's how they win games is they force force teams that are uncomfortable getting in shootouts. They 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 force them into shootouts. So what TCU is going to have to do is they're going to have to disrupt their rhythm. Um, West Virginia is a rhythm team. Uh, you get pressure on the quarterback, knock him down a few times, get him uh, to his happy feet, and then. Those ball hawks in the secondary can can do their thing. But um, if you don't get pressure on Will Greer, it doesn't matter what they do on the back end because once he gets in a rhythm, it's hard to get him off of it. And so what that's what TCU is going to have to do early, and they're going to have to do it often. They're going to have to get him off his rhythm, get a few three and outs, wear down that defense, and then make, make West Virginia play from behind, and that's going to play right into TCU's hands. So um, West Virginia's only chance in this one – is to get TCU to play at their tempo, and if they can't do that, and that's a very difficult thing to do if you're a fast-paced team. You have to force teams into your tempo, into your comfort level, into where you're playing, and that's not what TCU is comfortable with, and TCU defensively is going to have to make sure that, A, they flip the field, B, they disrupt the rhythm of Will Greer and, and really just get after him.
1: Yeah, obviously they're going to have to – I think the only way that West Virginia can win this one is if they can really turn it into a track meet, and I don't think that Gary Patterson is going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's turn to a little bit of Pac-12 after dark. Uh, out in Salt Lake City, Rice Eccles Stadium, uh, Stanford and Bryce Love, uh, who has been nothing short of phenomenal this season, uh, are headed to take on the Utes, who are still undefeated, ranked number 20 in the country. But, I mean, obviously the big question coming into this one, Josh, can anyone slow down Bryce Love?
0: Uh, well, their own game plan. They didn't run the ball enough against USC. Um But I think Utah has a much better chance than I gave West Virginia and probably a better chance than I gave NC State for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's played at Rice-Eccles Stadium. This is a stadium over a mile high. You start to feel the effects of altitude with that. And the last two times that – or the last time – Stanford was at Utah. They lost um, against USC this year. We saw Stanford have a little bit of some fatigue step in as USC hammered the ball with them. I think that's going to be the Utah game plan. They're going to run the ball, try and wear down Stanford like USC did, try and have the altitude help wear them down. And just have long drives, and even if their drives don't end in points, I really think Utah is hoping, and quite frankly, needs to have at least thirty-five minutes time of possession, if not more. Uh, J- quick pop, quick uh, secondary pop quiz, guys.
1: <laughs> Bryce Love has rushed for over a thousand yards in his team's first five games. Who was the last player to do so?
2: Ladainian Tomlinson.
1: Nope, someone more recent than that. Humphrey. Uh, 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 someone a little bit further back than that. It was, uh, I think, while we were all still in college.
0: Mm,
1: mm, uh, Monty Wolf. <laughs> Garrett Wolf, Northern Illinois, two thousand and six. <laughs>
2: he already had... <I'll> graduated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Coach. Boohoo! There's a flaw in your. See, we would have gotten it if you had accurate hands. Yeah, sure, sure,
1: sure. Whatever you say. Whatever you say, Coach. Uh, how, how do you see this one shaking out um, at the high elevation in Salt Lake?
2: Well, I, I think a, you know a good way you know to um, to to play defense against a runner like Bryce Love. I think a good game plan against him is to make him earn every yard. Uh, they've got to take away the chunk yardage. They've got to you know, those gashing plays of 11, 12, 13 yards. Uh, they've got to keep that to a minimum. They've got to make him beat you getting three, four, five yards a pop, you know, and, and earn that because he'll get worn down and then your defense will be, you know, if, if you can hold out, get a good time of possession, make Stanford earn their, earn their yards and make it tough on them, you give yourself a chance. You give yourself a chance. Don't make, you know, you're going to have to, Play a clean turnover free, penalty free, uh, game if you're Utah. Uh, but you kind of have to just be patient. Don't get, don't get too high. Don't get too low. Take advantage when you get, when you get those, when you get those opportunities. Um, and they're just going to have to, that's how they're going to have to play. Stanford is a more bigger physical team than Utah is. That's kind of their style. That's kind of what they do. And so they're just going to have to be patient and they're going to have to accept the fact that. They might, they might score on a 15-play drive, but that's good because they're going to get worn down. They're not used to it. They're used to getting these big, chunk yardage and big plays, and if you limit that, A, they might make a mistake, and that's kind of what USC did. They, they made them earn it. They took advantage when, when they didn't, and that's kind of what the difference was.
1: All right. Well, uh, we will head down to uh, one of uh, the Sunshine State's great rivalries, Miami at Florida State. Miami has not won this game since 2008. Uh, So uh, let's see if uh, Mark Rick will be able to turn uh, the tide uh, against a Florida State team that is reeling a little bit. Obviously, they won. Against like Wake Forest last week, but still only one and two on the season. And it's not like they were overly impressive uh, at Wake last week, Josh. So, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about
0: this one? Well, Miami's kind of this great unknown right now. A lot of untapped potential because of a very, very weird schedule. They opened with Bethune Cookman, not a test. Arkansas State game canceled. Florida State postponed. Then they played Toledo. Don't learn much from that. And they look really good at Duke. Uh, So I think loss in the shuffle, though, is how efficient quarterback Malik Rozier is playing. Completed 65.6% of his passes, over nine yards per attempt, eight touchdowns to just two picks. Florida State also having a very limited sample size, but the last time they faced a quarterback played as well as Malik Rozier was against NC State with Ryan Finley. And Finley had himself a game, 22-32, two touchdowns, 230 yards, zero picks. I, I think it's going to be Rozier replicating that Finley performance, cutting, cutting Florida State up through the air, and the Knolls just not having quite enough offense due to uh, all their injuries and offensive line issues. I, I got the cane snapping the streak.
2: Coach? Well, this game could be billed as the Rust Bowl because <laughs> I think it's are really rusty. Um, I, you know, on paper, I love Miami. I love Miami in this matchup. I think on paper they have a really good chance of not only winning but blowing out Florida State. All right? But I will stop right there because, um, because it's, it's in Tallahassee. It is a major rivalry game. And anything can happen in these games. It doesn't, it wouldn't matter if Florida State was 0 and 3 at this point and lost every game by 60, 65 points. It would not matter in this matchup. These two teams on the field, they have a, they have probably the most respectful hate for each other that you could possibly ever have. And this is a, this is a grueling, brutal rivalry that goes back to the Howard Schnellenberger days. And, it doesn't matter who's better on paper. It matters who makes the plays when they come to them. Um, that being said, I think Miami is going to make the plays when they come to them. Uh, Mark Walton's going to have a huge day. Miami's defense is going to have a huge day against, against a struggling Florida state offense, an offense that needed late game, uh, sports center top 10 play heroics to, to beat Wake Forest on the road. And, this Florida State team is struggling like I've never seen that program struggle. Uh, just you know, they're really missing DeAndre Francois. There's something going on uh, that I'm not I can't really put my put my finger on it. They're just not gelling right now. They're not playing as a team. They're playing like they, they are 11 people running around in the same jersey. and I'm not really sure exactly. Why that is? Why they don't have any continuity? Why they don't have any sense of team? But it's something's off. And Miami, they they they're able to shake off the rust. They're a pretty good gelled football team. And Malik Rozier uh, had a great week last week at Duke um, against the uh, the high school uniforms. And they're going to be dangerous. Um, they're going to be very dangerous. And it's it's not going to be pretty for Florida State. Florida State is going to have to play, you know, they're going to have to play two, three notches above what they've been playing to even have a chance in this one. They're on paper. They're extremely overmatched and They're going to have to, they're going to have to make some, some plays somewhere to overcome that difference.
1: Definitely. Well, let's head to our final deep root of the week where uh, Washington State, fresh off of that big win against uh, USC last week, uh, has to head to uh, what I guess Mike Leach has described the only uh, difficult road environment in the Pac-12 at Autzen Stadium uh, to take on an Oregon team that is going to be without their starting quarterback, Justin Herbert. Uh, Josh, how much of a blow is that to the Ducks?
0: Oh, it's, it's massive. And before I even get to Herbert's injury, uh, the Ducks are like a mash unit right now. They've got injuries at multiple, multiple positions. But that quarterback injury, that's a game changer. Herbert has almost 1,300 yards already this season, passing for almost 70%, over 10 yards. attempt, and who's going to be the starter? Well, that's even the worst news. Taylor Alley, the senior, um... He came in against Cal. He's listed as questionable with an undisclosed injury and listed as the co starter. Uh, Ali has all of uh, 21 pass attempts in his career. And if he can't go, then it's freshman Braxton Burmeister who has exactly one. Career attempt. That doesn't bode well for Washington State. They're coming off that really good defensive performance. Uh, Jahad Wood, I can't believe this kid's a freshman. He was incredible against USC 9, total tackle 7 of solo from his linebacker position. And then one of my favorite names, the big defensive lineman, Hercules Mata'afa. He was paying rent in the USC backfield. <laughs> he was living back there all night long. Uh, I don't know how Oregon's passing game is going to look with all those injuries. Uh, Watch the Cougars just load up the box, make uh, Royce Freeman's day miserable, and uh, Wazoo will pull off the win, I think. Uh, Honestly, if Oregon was healthy, I would take them. I was highest on Oregon during our preview show, show, but they are one of the probably five most banged-up teams right now nationally, that's just not good,
2: Coach. Yeah, I mean it's it's bad bad news for Oregon. They're like you said, they're beat up. Uh, they got some issues at the quarterback position. Uh, Washington State just they're just hitting on all cylinders right now. Luke Falk is probably one one of the best players in the country, and he is he is earning himself some money this year. Um, you know they uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding for Oregon to try to keep up with them. Um, it's very, very easy for Washington state to turn games into a track meet. The air raid offense is prolific. And as I said earlier, jokingly, um, it's really a thing of beauty watching Mike Leach orchestrate an offense, because, uh, even though it looks quirky, even though he says all this funny stuff and weird off the wall things in press conferences, he's probably the smartest guy in the country. Um, he just sees things before they happen. Um, and he really just kind of the game seems like it moves at a snail's pace for him and he's able to kind of that's how he's able to kind of call uh, football games. And uh, he knows how to get his his guys in the right situations and he, you know and nothing nothing shakes him. nothing rattles him. He's used to hostile environments. He's been just about everywhere in his coaching career. Um, he's played with lesser talent, his entire coaching career. So on paper, yes, Oregon has better talent because they have a better recruiting department and better resources and all of the above, but Washington state doesn't matter. They have Mike Leach who knows how to win with it, with, I don't want to say inferior talent, but that's just for lack of better words, inferior talent. And, uh, Luke Falk wasn't this highly recruited guy coming out of high school, um, but he's playing way above his head. And, um, you know, the air raid offense is, you know, it's it's legit. And, uh, you know, he, he's kind of took what Hal Mummy envisioned and made it better, made it a lot better. So it's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, you know, I don't usually say that about Pac-12 games, but this one will be extremely fun. I think Washington State does have the upper hand in this one. Uh, and I think a lot of that's because Oregon's beat up. Um, and it's still is going to be a tight game. I think Oregon's talented enough to uh, to kind of overcome some of this, but I think in the end, uh, Washington State's going to win this one. Probably, I'm going to take the over <laughs> in this game, um, but I'm going to take the over in a close close shootout. Um, and it's a close shootout because it's an OTs and not on the Palouse.
1: All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, spread, coach taking the over. It's time for us to move to some spread formations. So, uh, just a quick recap for the season, uh, coach. You are pacing the rest of us out. Uh, Eighteen and seven against the spread so far this season. Josh, 14 and 11. I am 12 and 13. I'm trying to get back on track, and we're going to start staying out there on the West Coast uh, late night at uh, 1045 Eastern kick uh, between Cal and Washington. Washington at 27-point favorites at home. Josh,
0: who you got? So dating back to the start of last season when Washington went on this incredible roll, a spread that big at home. They've covered it eight out of the last nine times. They do it again. Huskies are for real. Coach?
2: I was unsure, uh, but I think, Josh, you convinced me to pick the Huskies there.
1: All right. Um, I am going to take Cal. I think that uh, I'm going to take Cal uh, for a couple reasons. I don't think that – uh, I, I think washington 's going to win I think washington gets win by three scores, and Cal can still cover uh, i I see a game plays out something like forty two twenty one somewhere right around there, so uh, I will take Cal to cover that big, big number uh, heading down to the SEC uh, we 've got uh, the buffet of Arkansas, one and a half point favorites on the road in South Uh Josh. <laughs> Uh, you go you going with Bert or you going with uh with, with,
0: with uh, I'm going with Arkansas. I've never been too big of a believer in Will Musk champ and, and making a crappy bowl last year really didn't convince me that he has this game program turned around. And the injury to Debo Samuel too much. Their offense hasn't been the same since. Let's go. Let's go Hogs.
2: Nice. Uh, I think I think the Hogs are gonna run rough shot through the chicken coop. And, uh, <laughs> in Columbia, uh, I just, I, I think their team that can score and can score frequently, they, they've shown they can get into a shootout and they, and they've shown that they can play in, in physical matchups. I think, uh, South Carolina doesn't have enough depth to cover it. And so I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting contest, but I'm going to take the hogs.
1: All right. Let's make it three for three right there. Um, heading out of the big 12, you know, it's a state on the road, uh, in Austin at Texas, Texas four-point favorites at home against K-State. Josh, who are you taking?
0: K-State just hasn't played particularly well yet this season, and it's a little troubling, but I think they figured some things out against Baylor. They were way too reliant on Jesse Hurts. They finally got some other players involved, Uh, running back Alex Barnes, had 13 carries his most since the Charlotte game, had 80 yards rushing his most since that Charlotte game. He disappeared from their game plan against Vanderbilt, and it cost them. Texas' run defense was gashed by Maryland. Iowa State, for whatever reason, didn't even bother to run the ball. I don't get it. That's a bad coaching game plan. You know who doesn't have bad coaching game plans? The wily old veteran, Bill Snyder. i take Kansas State to cover on the road because I got them winning straight up
2: coach. Cool. You know what? Um, that's a tough one uh, for me. Uh, I love what you said about uh, the wily old veteran who is, he didn't establish the Kansas state football program. He established the university. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, in, in 152 years of life, you, you get a lot of wisdom.
1: He was actually he was actually part of Bleeding Kansas. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Josh, but uh, Bill Snyder was holding abolitionist rallies.
2: Yes, he was. Uh, he was Abraham Lincoln's um, right hand man. <laughs> um, anyway, um, you know it's it's been tough sledding for for Texas. I know they've kind of had their share of of uh, adversity, especially looking so poor at home against Maryland to start the year, but they have kind of cleaned some things up. Um, You know, they, they're, they're allowing, um, you know, they're allowing 34 and a half points. You know, they're scoring 34 and a half points per game. They're allowing 21 Uh, Kansas state does have a stingy defense. I think this is going to be a stingy defensive uh, battle. I think, Uh, I think Texas is going to win, but I'm going to take Kansas state on the cover because I think Texas is going to win by a field goal. In a, in a very defensive slugfest in, in Austin. All
1: right, I'm, I'm sticking with you here, Josh. I'm taking Kansas State straight up in this one. I, I still think that it, they're just going to pound the rock. And, you know, with and Jesse Ertz is still, I think, better when he's a running quarterback. So well, We I,
2: all picked Kansas State. I just picked them. A different way.
1: Yeah, you picked them a different way, but I'm, I'm, I'm going with a full upset here for K-State on the road. So um, next, we're going to head down to the Swamp. Uh, the Bayou Bengals, uh, who are fresh off of that loss to Troy, um, are three point underdogs at Florida who are coming off of a solid win over Vanderbilt last week. Uh, but Luke Del Rios, uh, I think he's injured again. Uh, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So I think, are they going back to Felipe Franks?
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, Del, Rio, Del Rio's out for the year. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, uh, who knows yeah. who's going to be taking, taking snaps there. Uh, but Josh, who do you like in this matchup?
0: So I trust both these teams about as much as I can throw them. Uh, but Florida, I particularly dislike. They needed a Hail Mary practically against Tennessee. Who's terrible. Shouldn't have won at Kentucky. Kentucky just totally gagged that game. I don't have high opinion of Kentucky. So my opinion of Florida is as bad as LSU's, despite their difference in record and despite the Gators being ranked. Florida looks a lot like USC where they're poised for a loss. And with LSU getting Darius Geis back is allegedly what I've heard. He was in full pad practice, so I'm assuming he's going to play. It's a long week, losing to Troy, all the controversy. I think LSU comes out clicking on all cylinders. I got them pulling off the upset in the swamp.
2: Coach? Yeah, um, I got them pulling off the upset as well um, because I just simply don't believe in Felipe Franks. LSU is going to have to try to figure out their quarterback situation. They've They've kind of – uh, gone back and forth on that, and Danny Etling, Miles Brennan, Danny Etling, Miles Brennan. Pick <laughs> one and go. Um, apparently, uh, Matt Canada, his shifts and motions and stuff have been too much, according to head coach Ed Orgeron. Um, I think Ed Orgeron should just leave him alone. Like, I don't understand here. your shifts. <laughs> I can't keep up. I need another Red Bull. Um, I think uh, having Darius Guys back in the lineup would be a huge boost for for LSU. Um, I think their defense will get back on track this week. I think they'll be a lot more focused. Um, a lot of it was probably the mental mental aspect of it, and they weren't, they weren't too focused. And then they got they got too far down and they're not mentally tough enough to, to overcome adversity of being down to a team that you shouldn't be anywhere in your ballpark. Um, this is a game they get up for every year. It does not matter how bad they're playing. They always get up for Florida. This is something that they this is a game that they live for in Baton Rouge, and I think I don't think that changes. I I, I like buy Bayou Bengals in this one on the road.
1: And here I was thinking I was going to be the only one to take LSU.
2: <laughs> Hell no.
1: <laughs> well, guys, I I I don't just like LSU here. I love LSU in this spot. Um, that 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 that's right. Game <clears throat> was that was the kick in the pants that I think this team really needed. Um,
2: they're also and, extremely young on defense.
1: Yeah, they they're young and they're they're just they're going to get better. Um, I believe in. I still believe in Dave Aranda, um, especially with Florida's offensive woes. You know, I you know this could be you know sort of a, a six to four kind of game, but I, I like LSU in this one. Um, so give me LSU. Not I'm not just going to take the points. I'm going to take them for the entire upset. Uh, finally, sticking. You know, one in.
2: last one last thing on that matchup or or just LSU in general. I Ed Orgeron has a great pair of coordinators. If he just lets them do their thing and he manages everything else and not try to, you know, screw up with their flow, they'll be just fine.
1: Yeah, Koto needs to stick to uh, recruiting and uh, guzzling Red Bulls, and they'll be just fine. <laughs> so, um, well, we're going to stick in the SEC for our final uh, pick. Uh, you know, I like to go with uh, the biggest home dog in the Power Five of the week. And uh, this week that is happening in College Station. Texas a are 26-and-a-half point home underdogs to the t- Crimson Tide. Uh, Josh, 26 and a half points is a lot, but man, Alabama has been uh, putting a good old fashioned beatdown on their foes the last few
0: weeks. They have. And let's recap AM season real quick. Total second half meltdown against UCLA. Check. A pedestrian 10 point win over an FCS team. Check. Pedestrian win over a Sunbelt team that they were trailing during that game.
1: Check. Uh,
0: Overtime win against a middle-of-the-pack-at-best conference team. Check. Narrow seven-point win at home against a middle-of-the-road-banged-up South Carolina conference team. (laughs) Check. Uh, So what exactly is A&M bringing to the table? I mean, Kellen Mond, like... He's going to have to have the greatest video game numbers for this to even be close. I got Alabama rolling. The over-under is 54. Alabama might be able to hit that single-handedly. I just wish the college football playoff cared about margin of victory like the BCS did. Why do I bring this up? Because back in 2003, in one of the hilarious lowlights of the BCS, Oklahoma poured it on because the computers still had margin of victory in it en route to a 77 nothing win. That's the area that this game could end up in.
2: Ooh. Mm. I, think, I think it's going to be ugly. I really do. Texas A&M, uh, they could razzle-dazzle. They could throw out all their random trick plays and gadget plays and whatnot. They might score on a couple. Who knows? But it's going to be kind of hard to, to chase Alabama when you're down 66-14. to 14. Um, I think Alabama is going to roll again. Alabama is playing pissed off. And it's, a you know, it. it's kind of fun to watch, to be honest with you. Um, they. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are on the bandwagon of, oh, I hope Alabama loses and yada, 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 yada. And, you know, a, as a conference – you know, as a member of the of the SEC and, and hoping that Georgia is on the top of the heap, yes, I do hope Alabama loses if that makes Georgia be the top of the heap. That doesn't make them any less fun to watch. Um, but on a side note, I'm taking Bama. They're going to roll. It's going to be it's going to be a bloodbath. Keep, uh, Kevin Sumlin may get fired at midfield, or they may do what they did to to Lane Kiffin except they're going to fly someone to L.A. and then fire him (laughs) in L.A. and then leave him there. (laughs) So good luck, old buddy.
1: Well, if Texas A&M is is going to stick around this game at all, they're going to have to get the ball in the hands of Christian Kirk. And if there's one guy who's going to be able to contain Christian Kirk in all the country, it's Minka Fitzpatrick, who happens to play defensive back for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So, uh, yeah, I will take the Tide big here. Uh, Josh, you mentioned the was what, 54 and a half? I think it's just 54 straight 54, up. 54. I'm going to predict that Alabama has 54 with six minutes to go in the third quarter. <laughs> nice. So uh, They're going to
2: win the coin toss and have 54.
1: <laughs> I mean, shoot. Uh, judging by the way they played the last two weeks, that is not uh, out of the question. No. So, um, well, uh Gentlemen, uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts before I wrap things up here on this uh, week six preview pod? Very we're
2: quick. College football but <laughs> Yawker Yager is still playing hockey. He's just kind of one to deal with the flames, I believe.
1: Nice. Oh, my goodness. Josh, uh, what were you going
0: to say? I have a very quick shout-out to the roadrunners of UTSA, Beep Beep, San Antonio, hosting – Southern Miss, a big conference USA game for them. Roadrunners three and zero, very quiet on the season. I'm I'm curious to see if they can knock off a team that we spoke very very highly of in their own conference this week.
1: Oh yeah, uh, Roadrunners are are they're good. Like they are. They're quite good this year, so that is always nice to see. So have um,
0: more uh, Big 12 wins as of now than Iowa State. And Baylor. Yeah. I hope Baylor goes winless. That would be
2: funny.
1: We can only hope. We can only hope. Um, So, uh, shout out to the FAU Old Dominion game. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And on that note, um, we're going to finish it off here for uh, this week's week six preview of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, Corey Burton, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, and Josh Cook, this is a professor saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast.
2: Go Chantileers.
1: It's Chanticleers.